0: hello everybody welcome to our podcast night and moon i am tanner knight and joined with me as always is the lovely and talented gabby luna
1: hello
0: hello this episode will be about love yeah but tell us what kind of love
1: our first love
0: our very first love and you may think oh we're gonna choose some young boy and girl to talk about whose heart that we broke or that broke our hearts but no
1: No. That is
0: not the first loves we are talking about.
1: Yes. We are very passionate individuals. And we found a thing at a very young age that made us fall in love and kind of shaped who we are as a person. And we wanted to talk about that one thing we each have and tell each other all about it, how we found it, (laughs) and how it has accompanied us through our lives.
0: That's right. And for me, my first love before I loved anyone other than, you know, my family, but before I loved anyone romantically, my very first love was music. Yeah. What was yours? Yoga. That's what I thought. (laughs) So we will be breaking down how we fell in love with these two things and what it was like and hopefully recapture some of that young love. Yeah. (laughs) So I'm always interested to hear how how young you were when you discovered yoga. So why don't you start by telling us when you first discovered yoga?
1: Well, the first time I encountered yoga was when I was like around 8 or 10, maybe.
0: Wow. So that's really young.
1: Yeah, but I didn't know what it was. So that question stayed with me for a long time.
0: So it wasn't like you knew what this thing was and that it was called yoga?
1: I just knew that my grandpa had a book. that was called yoga and it was like leather bound book and all it said was yoga (laughs) and it was in spanish i believe i don't even remember and i love that book i felt like it was my book i would just walk around everywhere with it and then i put it back in the bookshelf because i felt like that was its home and it had its own little slot because it wasn't my book it was my grandpa's book (laughs) um but i felt like i don't know like i love that book and i would it had just a few pictures it was one of those old books that don't have pictures and the in the middle of it there were some pictures of a of a yogi um that was just you know doing some padmasana which is just like a cross legged pose and i would just sit around and and do the poses there and
0: so you were you were looking at the pictures And you could tell that the poses themselves had value.
1: No, I couldn't. That's that's the dumb part of of this story is that I had no idea what it was. I remember asking my mom. And actually, I think she told me that that was a book that had been given to her. Mm. But I feel like my grandpa actually used that book because I do recall him waking up and doing exercises in the morning that were very yoga-like, like just before he even brushed his teeth, he got out of bed. And stretched for like five minutes. That's, That's
0: pretty forward thinking, I would say. Uh,
1: he had bad back, like a really bad yeah. back, so that kept him from, you know, like straining his back. You know how, like sometimes you pull your back and you can't move. Yeah, that would happen to him quite often. So, so he
0: didn't really have a choice.
1: I mean, you can choose to not do it and hurt <laughs> I yourself. I, so he does have a he did have a choice, and he did it because he didn't want to be in pain. I guess because hmm. that was like something that happened to him a lot. Um. But I still didn't get it because something told me that it wasn't just a workout because my mom could not explain it to me. So it just stayed with me, the the feeling of yoga. It's such a weird word, right? I didn't mm-hmm. know what it meant. I've never heard that word before, not in English, not in Spanish. And I was like, what does it mean? And why can't anyone explain it to me? <laughs> like, how weird. Wouldn't you be super intrigued by something that people can't explain to you? Yeah and then i've told you before um but i don't think i've told it in the podcast that once we moved here in 2001 in utah steve ross the yoga teacher had inhale in the oxygen channel and i just remember my mom rushing into my bedroom to let me know remember when you asked me what yoga was and i totally <laughs> remembered even though it was like like eight other years that had passed in between the you know that time cuz we had moved around and i didn't keep that book when we left my grandpa's house I left the book where it belonged, you know? Yeah. Um, I wish I had it. That would be so cool, but I don't have it. Um, and then from there, I just remember always doing yoga. And I, I never defined it. I just, it felt, it didn't feel like exercise because, you know, and if you know me, you know I don't like to exercise. I don't like competitive sports. I just don't like any of that basketball, volleyball. None of that shit is <laughs> just not for me. I like to quote Kulis, I don't want balls, Flying around my face (laughs) at any time, for the most part. (laughs) Um, Doing yoga and then resting at the end was the best. Like, even though that the poses were super hard, because Steve Ross's classes are not easy, they were vinyasa, and I was doing all the poses wrong, probably too young to like hurt my body, but I remember pulling muscles here and there because they weren't, I didn't know what I was doing. But I remember that the harder I worked, the more I relaxed at the end. And that, like, I seriously, to quote every yogi girl's T-shirt, I did it all for the Shavasana. Like, (laughs) seriously. (laughs) And that is, I fell in love. And it's been, like, my best friend. It's not even, like, it's like a guide, but like a friend with, like, yoga always helps me. Because yoga is everywhere. I don't know. I guess I, I feel like you have a very similar view of music, and and I'm intrigued by you. So how old were you? I was... Zero.
0: (laughs) Earlier than I could talk, probably, yes. it was zero because music was always a very important part of my family growing up. My dad was a bluegrass musician, as was my mom at that point, in fact. And they were both gigging musicians in the, the early 80s, late 70s. It was always just assumed that my brother and I were going to be musicians as well, and we were. We both took different paths. He he picked up the guitar like my dad, and I ended up focusing more on voice and having a career in opera. Before I could formulate thoughts, I could express myself with sound and music, I think. And uh, it wasn't very complex <laughs> at the beginning, but, you know, that's... Where you start. And I remember specifically like road trips with my parents where we would drive to my grandmother's house in North Carolina where we would intentionally harmonize with one another, like in the car, like sing songs. And my mom would try to get us to understand harmony and making music with other people. Wow. And it was always just a part of things. And I can't really separate it from my childhood because from the earliest days of my recollection there was music there and music happening at a pretty high level as well my my dad was a very accomplished banjo and guitar player and singer and songwriter my mom was a very accomplished bass player and mandolin player and singer and we were dragged to all of these bluegrass festivals as kids and it took me a while to really get into the performance of music but I would always participate in it and listen, and I was excited by music as well. It wasn't just like something you put on in the background to, I don't know, pass time or keep you from thinking. It's something that you actively participate in, actively think about, actively try to get better at, and it was uh, one of those rides that always the farther up the curve you go the more gratifying it is Uh and the more I understood about it the more I wanted to know and the more I realized I didn't know
1: (laughs) well when when did you discover your first instrument or like how did that happen
0: well it was always my voice I I sang from kindergarten on (laughs) like I was put put in grade school and expected to be to carry the the chorus or whatever I was put into. But and who
1: put you in there? What do you mean?
0: I guess the teachers who knew oh, my parents uh-huh. and they were like, Oh well this is the musical one so
1: Oh, without you <laughs> even being trained.
0: Yeah, yeah, I guess. And I you know, I always rose to the challenge and
1: like okay, I can do this.
0: And uh yeah, I was happy to perform music, but it was definitely in a more choral setting.
1: That's so cool though.
0: Yeah, and then you get or I got noticed that I could carry a tune and uh-huh. was carrying the chorus. So then solos happen and then you start getting these solos and then there's the high school play and there's all these opportunities it just They used by. to be, I don't know, maybe they don't exist anymore, but this was the nineties folks.
1: <laughs> no, that's really cool that that was your instrument. When did you personally start to feel one-on-one connection when it, it wasn't anymore it wasn't just like your family and your mom you know guiding you to harmonize when was it like oh my god this is my yeah, thing
0: good question i want to hear that i would say in the fifth or sixth grade how old are you then like 10, 10 or 11, 11 or or yeah sixth grade is 11 10, 11 12 mm-hmm. somewhere in there yeah i was starting to come into my own as a little singer, oh. <laughs> Luis Miguel. I know that's what
1: I'm thinking. I'm like, oh my gosh! But he wasn't having emotional breakdowns on stage, like <laughs> no, through through a beautiful voice. <laughs>
0: no, but yeah, I was just singing the solos in the little chorus mm-hmm. in grade school, and then it was uh, it was sixth grade when I was yeah I was asked to be just an extra in the school play or something like that at the high school play and so I was like the youngest kid or one <laughs> one of two or three other kids that could basically be bodies on stage. Because
1: <laughs> no other kids want it or
0: Yeah, no other kids want it. So I was like, oh th- this is cool. I can be on stage and dick around. That's fun. So like
1: the musical kids from the elementary will were taken over to the high school for that?
0: Yeah. <laughs> yeah, just a couple. And again, it was mostly just to be bodies on stage. Yeah, yeah. But, but that's cool. But, you know, that's where I've got my first taste of the stage and From there, I was really interested in the attention that you receive from being on stage (laughs) and performing successfully, so I received more of that attention as I continued to...
1: Like in what way, with adults or just like girls or just everyone? All
0: of the above. All of them. (laughs) Girls was the most important one, but you know, I I always wanted to be perceived as someone who knows what they're doing, I guess, someone who's good at what they do and... Mm -hmm music and being on stage came easy so that was like oh i can just i can literally just dick around and you know crack jokes (laughs) when we're not serious or on stage but then once (laughs) once we're on stage you know just turn it on and everybody likes it so hey
1: yeah this this love of yours opened so many doors for you
0: it did and i didn't necessarily have any gigantic prospects out of high school as far as what i was going to do so i was like again music comes easy can Mm -hmm. i do a career in music and i didn't have any idea what that looked like but my negligent guidance counselor was like sure here are some music schools
1: oh no this is
0: a great idea (laughs) it's like
1: looking back what okay actually that's a really good question looking back now what what do you wish you would have done with school well tell us first what you did and then tell us what you would have done differently
0: well okay so in any event the progression goes around sixth grade i get involved with music in a more theatrical way and then go on to the stage and do the high school musicals and participate in high school jazz choir which mm-hmm. is like the elite chorus Ooh, and but are
1: you moving at all or just just singing
0: just singing this is all just well, I guess there's some For Jazz Choir though. In, no, not for jazz choir. That's all just standing there. It sounds like it might be music. Uh-huh, yeah. I <laughs> like jazz,
1: are you and you also did jazz hands, though? So. <laughs> uh, no,
0: no jazz hands. This is just jazz music done by a small choir. But uh-huh. so from there I was pretty good at music, did all the all state stuff in New York, which is a pretty big pool of kids to be a part of. And uh went to college for music education, but doubled as a music performance major. So wow. it it sounds fancy, but it's it's really just two kind of similar majors as far as the requirements go. So I was able to double up.
1: So that's basically saying that you can teach and you can also perform. Uh,
0: yes, I guess so. That's cool. <laughs> but a lot of people <laughs> get those same exact degrees who can do neither. So. <laughs> and I'm not saying I'm the best teacher or the best performance by any means, but... But you tried your best. I did. I did try my best and achieved a Mm -hmm. fairly high level of success doing it
1: yeah check out his youtube channel for (laughs) old old performances at tanner's favorite thing.
0: you can do that if you want but you don't have to (laughs) um but so i went to college for for music not really knowing what that looked like and spent four and a half years doing those two degrees and then from there it was like you can't really do much with a bachelor's in music unless you want to go into like a elementary school or high school teacher type situation and teach Uh and i just wasn't interested in that so i went on and received a master's degree from the university of maryland in just straight up opera performance (laughs) just wow as specific as it gets and uh, there was seven people in my entire (laughs) class and we just did nothing but opera and music performance that's cool but look so to answer your question to look back on it I don't think that those degrees are very valuable in a lot of different contexts. For me personally, I made it work because I got the skills I needed to translate them across a number of different careers. But I didn't know that I was doing that at the time, but I did. But ultimately, I probably would have chosen to go to school for engineering.
1: Wow, that is such a different thing.
0: Yeah, but knowing what I know now and working in the industries that I've worked in, I see the value of engineering and how that will never, it will never not be necessity. It will always be needed. Yeah. And I think that uh, it's a skill that can also be very rewarding as well.
1: I can see that. But the world has many engineers (laughs) and not a lot of your voice. (laughs) No, but. I'm happy that you developed it though.
0: Yeah. and, And we can talk about how it developed later, but. Yeah. Uh, I would like to hear more about how you developed your love of yoga after you kind of discovered this mystery book.
1: Yeah. Well, I continued to do yoga with Steve Ross.
0: <laughs> so this is a, on YouTube at this point or still?
1: No, on Oxygen. It was. I, I was network. 16, so all throughout. So I finished up high school and I continued to do yoga. Then I left it a little bit. I like kind of didn't incorporate it in my daily life until around 20 or 21. So like from 16 to like 18, I did yoga and then I took a little bit of a break for I don't even know what reason. I guess, you know, I I picked up working and going to college. So I was doing both. Yeah. So I didn't really have time to move my body like in any other way. So I was just doing that.
0: Well, and you say move your body. Were you affixing the labels and the names of the poses to the poses at this point or were you just doing the movements?
1: I was just doing the movements.
0: So when did you get interested enough to actually start learning the names and studying yoga?
1: Wow. Um, Because I didn't really understand what it was to this point still. And then once I got back, I I have to tell you, I have to continue with my story because in order to get to that, I have to tell you, I picked it up again because my back was hurting so bad. And I had like a bunch of steroid injections put in my back because I had... A ruptured disc mm. um, on my low back and then on my neck too um, I think I just had a bad back or maybe like um, a few accidents that I had like one at the store and then I was rear-ended too from my car so kind of just messed up my back the, nothing was working and then the, one day the doctor was like uh, I can write you a disability form I can put you as a disabled person but you're <laughs> 20 something 22 or whatever whatever age I was because this this whole therapy took years it was like yep. two years of therapy um and nothing would get better and to to look back at it now it was totally emotional this was my body breaking down because it was just too much like my situation was just too much it's always just been really stressful <laughs> i don't like if i talk about my past i've always just been on like reaction go mode avoid the next tragedy until i got here to like ten <laughs> um and that's like me relaxing now but other than that it's always go 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 don't relax and so yoga had been the only thing, and then I remembered it, and and I picked up an uh, a DVD that I found. I don't. I think at, at a TJ Maxx I found a DVD. Who was with, the? I think I've told you before that I had a DVD with Jerry Hall and some British, <laughs> uh, yeah, some British yoga teacher. I don't even know who <laughs> they were. I have tried finding, them, and I can't even find that. But it was a great. It was like way different. Than what Steve Ross would teach, because his was like very fast and vinyasa, like flow, 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 and harsh, almost very warrior-like, right? And I was young, so my body was fine, but I was broken. I I could not do those fiery ones, and and all throughout this time in between, I still sprinkled yoga and I had some other DVDs, but nothing like the Jerry Hall one. Like I loved. I know that you make fun of it, but if I still had it, I would probably still do that routine because it was just it was I don't make perfect.
2: Fun of it. I, <laughs> I know, but it's, it's funny,
1: right? That. It's just Jer- Jerry Hall. And she's not a teacher. She's not teaching. She's just being guided by a teacher.
0: <laughs> she just likes yoga a lot. I
1: know. And she looked beautiful, of course, in her long legs, leotard <laughs> legs. <laughs> just beautiful. And it was like an old 90s. And this was the an old 90s DVD, I think. And it was in the early 2000s it's, for me. It's
0: like <laughs> pre-Paltrow.
1: Yeah. Yeah. Totally. <laughs> way, way before. It was when Jerry Hall was the perfect <laughs> ethereal looking creature. <laughs> Um, and so my back got better within a week like seriously my back my neck everything stop, stopped hurting I attribute yoga and most specifically the shavasana part as what healed me because I would do the poses very simple poses and I would hold them and I loved it so much because the holding part I would go I remember I would like go into my mom's room i roll out my little yoga mat that i had and i would just like lock myself in there and she let me have her room for for my peaceful because her room was always cleaner and more peaceful than the one that i shared with my sister it just (laughs) was too much clutter and so i would go in her room and do yoga there and i just pass out after it and and my back got better within the month it's just beautiful to this point i still was not interested in the name of the poses because I didn't realize that there was names for every pose. I still didn't get it. Like I would hear being guided and like the teacher would throw out a name and I'm like, okay, but I didn't get it. I still didn't get it that there, this was a whole, almost, I don't know. There's just so much more. I, I think that I knew that in order for me to understand yoga, there was going to be a lot more studying than just, I got to figure out what the poses are called. Mm-hmm. And then one day, I was working. I used to work at Discover Card. I I love that <laughs> that job. I used to love that job. But they had like a gym, and this little open area of the gym was just free, and you could use it. And I would go in there in the mornings and do yoga there. And then I had a girl tell me, "Hey, you should teach yoga." <laughs> and I looked into it, and the old, I had no idea you could teach yoga. I didn't know that <laughs> that was a thing. Do it. I had no idea. She told me and she just gave me the information on how to get certified because she's like, well, hi, are you here? Like, oh, okay. I didn't know. So I I remember back in the day you could get certified. This was maybe 2006. You could get certified through Yoga Fit and maybe other programs, but I was just much too dumb and young to understand <laughs> what yoga was about still at that point. So then we left to Mexico in 2009 and I continued to practice yoga all on my own just to be able to manage stress cuz just life continued to get stressful and i would use yoga as a timeout for my for myself and as a as a healer of any pain or suffering <laughs> um and then when it was time to come back here in 2011 i don't know i feel like my main goal that little that little seed that girl planted you should become a teacher that became my goal when i came back and that dro- that that drove my entire time since i came here all on my own um yoga has been a huge partner for me like my best friend <laughs> and what a goal a focus to stay in you know a specific lifestyle and just life
0: and health i think as mm-hmm. well yeah it's very health promoting even if you don't know the and i'm not going to let me first say i'm not a yogi or certified anything, but I do realize that you don't need to know the names of the poses and the positions in order to get the benefits. Yeah. And it certainly helps to study something that you love and really dig into it. And I I see that you've done that. I think that yoga has a lot of benefits that are not very well understood.
1: Yeah. And that was really confusing for me because once I decided and and I found, like to me, I was like, okay, now I know that yoga is from India and I can't go to India right now to learn it. So I was like, well, what's the next best thing? Well, maybe there is someone from India here that can teach me that actually knows the culture. And I did, like my first yoga teacher was from India and he did teach me the discipline and, and just like, just a little extra. I feel like that was the best, just having someone that actually experienced growing up like you did with music he grew up with yoga so it was completely different it's like as if you were to teach a musical person or someone music in their 20s you know like so i thought that was great but i think that as it's become to be popular i lost sight and all my teaching time i feel like i've lost sight of what brought me back to yoga at some point you know like maybe at the beginning of my teaching career i felt like i was a little lost because yeah the winneth paltro ideal becomes the focus you know and i'm i don't mean to shit on winneth or whatever you know <laughs> i'm just saying just that specific silhouette of that particular ethereal looking woman it's not accessible to all of us you know we don't all look that tall like an elf you know like we just are not that and the fact that you have to look like that to embody what yoga is because that's just the way it's looked at here in the west it's really unfair but also, it's dumb for me to allow that to like distract me from my main goal, which was always the damn shavasana. <laughs> it's always been, and it always will be. And that's why, when I feel like you know, when I when I finally found the yoga nidra training I wanted to take, I just like it's completely changed the way I view yoga, and it's it's just expanded it even more. Um, so I think that I'm now caught up to like what yoga's been doing for me. But it's just been. I mean, it's been a while. uh, It's been a, what do you call it? Like a a wild ride with yoga, I guess.
0: Well, and I do like how you and I share very similar paths with our love because I'm not going to say I ever fell out of love with music, but my relationship to it changed very severely. And and I know that yours did as well when you started teaching and becoming more a part of that community. I want to wrap up on a positive note so we can talk about how we engage with our first loves today. But for this portion, I'll start off by talking about my kind of fallout with music, or at least my relationship with it at that point. So I did go through the music school route, which is, it's not entirely required to become a professional musician, but for me and my path that I thought I was Going to be on. I thought that that was the best route, so I did that. It opened up a few doors. It didn't make me famous by any means, but I met some people who were professionals in the business and, you know, developed those connections. Once I was out of school and just flipped the switch, you're now a professional, you sink or swim. I was able to swim for a few years and sang some pretty nice gigs and had some really great memories, but the business side of being a classical musician was so time consuming and energy consuming and defeating that it really changed my outlook on music altogether to the point where my main instrument my voice no longer worked the way that i had anticipated it working it basically stopped working the way that i expected i was like what the hell (laughs) <laughs> well, I, I'm a singer. This is what I do. This is what I've always done. And now, for whatever reason, it's it's difficult. It's physically difficult. And at it, it, sometimes it was even physically painful. It's like I, wow. I was straining to sing the way that I was freely singing in the past. And not, it just wasn't adding up. And this is around 2011. And right at my what is that, Saturn rising when I'm like 27, 28, 29 years yeah. old. It was a real wake-up call. It was like, okay, this is happening to my voice and, and my body, basically, because my voice is part of my body. And it's like, okay, what's happening? Do I need to take lessons again? And or, Which, you know, you never stop taking lessons, but I, I hadn't taken lessons with my primary teacher in a while. I've been working. So I started taking lessons again more regularly and the teacher that i had worked with professionally at that point he was like do you really want to be doing this (laughs) he like asked me and i was like yes he's like do you really want to be doing this and he he was not rude about it but he pressed a bit more than than uh, another person might and he really got to the core of it because like i hadn't considered that maybe i didn't want to do that (laughs) it was just like I'm doing this. This is how I do it. This is what I do. These are my skills. I've locked and loaded myself into this career. Let's do this and it just wasn't happening physiologically and uh, I had to really take a step back and ask the tough question, well, why? And it came down to the fact that I I just didn't like it anymore. I didn't like the business. I didn't like the process of getting hired, seeing people get hired that I didn't think were as quality of an artist as I was. And this was also before my ego was entirely destroyed as well. Uh So there was some ego in play. You know, I did this until my early 30s and now all of a sudden it's not working. So what next?
1: Well, I have two questions. First of all, the the first one is actually... About your teacher who asked you if you really wanted to do that. Did he get to the bottom of it in that same day or? No,
0: definitely not. He asked you over time? Yeah, that was a question that had to sit with me for a while. And I started really asking myself, do I want to do this? And when I would go practice, it was always like such a chore. I was like, (gasps) why is this so hard? Why is this... Something I don't feel like I want to do and it's like Yeah, well, and maybe-
1: it's like really obvious when you don't want to do something.
2: <laughs> like, yeah, I can see why so. that- <laughs>
1: <laughs> you definitely don't hide it. And then the other question was, um, the entertainment industry is so harsh and mm-hmm. like you said that you did it till your early thirties and that's pretty young, but the entertainment industry likes young, <laughs> young, like baby spanking young or something. Yeah. There's... Did you feel like you were just being like, Oh, you're too old now or something? Or
0: I will say that I was Viewed as kind of a, a wunderkind, is what, is what they that? call like <laughs> a wonder kid, is the direct oh. translation. Where in my young 20s, I was pretty capable of singing things that were considered difficult. And it's like, oh, you're a wunderkind. Oh, you got this talent. And once you hit 20, 28, 29, 30, <laughs> you're not a kid anymore. <laughs> so. so there was a little bit of that the the wunderkind had worn off and i was just another dude i guess yeah but it was it was just not fun and there were long stretches in between gigs where i was like really destitute this was probably the (laughs) poorest that i've ever been just from money (laughs) just
1: it's so crazy because you're like an artist of such a perform like of an art that's only enjoyed by super wealthy people but you're super poor
0: that's that's really one of the main dichotomies that kicked my ass the hardest. Was mm-hmm. the fact that if you're not rich, if you don't have a seed of money that's kind of keeping you afloat as an opera singer or a classical musician in general, even a violinist or a double bass player or a bassoonist, you're not getting rich off of your gigs. The people that play in the Utah Symphony which is a super professional high-end or- orchestra. They may make $80,000 at the highest end possible, which is a really good living yeah. in a place like Utah. But when you're starting out, you're not making that. You're making, you know, $40,000 and living in a shitty apartment and
1: and it's not like it's a steady income it's like it can be like a really good month one month and then the other months are like kind of dry
0: for my case yes yeah. yeah for a symphony orchestra job it's kind of the opposite of that but that's like a rare situation Oh, wow! like the most most people are freelance artists and they travel around paycheck to paycheck and that's what i was and yes i would return to utah opera pretty regularly because they knew me and knew what i was capable of but you know, you go everywhere you can, try to get as much exposure as possible and try not to suck. Yeah. <laughs> but I was sucking towards the end, so my reputation was not very good, I don't think. Or
1: was it like running? Like, oh, he's not, his voice is not the same.
0: <laughs> Probably. Yeah. yeah. I, I don't even know. if.
1: Was that in your mind, though?
0: No, no, it wasn't. Um I just wanted to be able to perform to the best of my abilities and it just wasn't happening. So I ultimately decided that it was not worth resurrecting that career in any way, shape or form. I totally cut ties with the career of music performance and went into another career where I was more tech support, I guess is what you could call it, where... I learned a whole industry about around engineering and engineering computers and software. And I will say that learning music is a skill that translates to learning about another career. So I always felt like I could learn that career pretty easily just by applying the same principles that I would learn music. Mm-hmm. And, you know, it was a pretty smooth transition. I ended up working at a career that afforded me a lifestyle that I was more looking for one that opera could never have afforded me even if i had started singing at the met like you still don't make a shit ton of money there and
1: yeah and it's not consistent it's not it's
0: not consistent so
1: and you would be living in new york
0: Uh, probably or (laughs) some other big city outside of utah but
1: i think you were also ready to like just settle down a little more like not have to travel was that a thing was that a factor at all
0: yeah i did a lot of traveling as an opera singer and I kind of liked it in my 20s. It was kind of novel still. And yeah,
1: you're young. Jet
0: set lifestyle, you know, yeah. you think it's cool, but even though you're still counting your pennies trying mm. to buy some McDonald's. Yeah, it's airport, not like
1: you have the money to like enjoy live luxuriously. It. <laughs> no. I mean, you may have been put in like good hotels, right? Or Yeah,
0: actually, uh the
1: No room service though.
0: <laughs> no, I No, that's on that's you true. if you want to buy. So the the career of a classical opera singer, a classical musician, was, was probably the hardest part for me. And it eventually made me determine that that style of music making was not the uh, the preferred method for me. So I'll I'll talk more about how I make music now, but I'd like to hear about your, I don't know, crisis or <laughs> whatever, the transition. Crisis.
1: I think that, you know, both have, both you and I have this love for these two, you know, things yoga, and music. But those two things are our teachers, you know? Like, they teach us, and I think Absolutely. that they both can be totally taken over by ego. Totally can. And I think that's when things go wrong. And if you start listening to your ego instead of, like, your intuition or your body or spirit or whatever, then that's when, you know, the the unbalance of the body can happen. And, yeah, I feel like I injured myself a lot doing a lot of my yoga trainings um, ultimately, I fell out of love of teaching yoga, but not because I don't want to talk about yoga. I feel like a yoga teacher or a, a person who teaches yoga just speaks it, and that's what what I want to do. That's that's where I want to be. The ethereal yoga Gwyneth Paltrow creature or whatever. There's a room for that, but it's uh, there's not room for me there because I just don't look like that, and I, you know that's not what I want to be either.
0: No, and I think that you're. You're there. I mean, everything that you do is imbued with the same attitude that you take to yoga. So yeah. I think that it is just exuding from your words and actions.
1: I would hope so. I I love it so much and I think about it all the time. Maybe... Maybe a little more than I think about you. <laughs> Sorry, babe. <laughs> okay, <laughs> you're like, I think about music all the time. Too. Uh, I,
0: mostly just music gear. I'm just like, oh, man, the
1: <laughs> Telecasters, sweet. You know, yoga doesn't have gear, but it does have a lot of books. So well, and those yoga, are kind of my th- love. That's
0: not true. Yoga does have gear. There's a uniform.
1: Oh, yeah, the uniform. And if you don't... See, that's the thing. Okay, so my experience when, you know, if you try to start a career as a yoga teacher, you think that you're your only way of being a yoga teacher is to, like, become kind of big in your little area and, like, you know, teaching yoga festivals, which I taught in yoga festivals because it was, like, my yoga teacher putting them together and I would volunteer my time a lot. But it didn't mean that people, like, would, like, go to my (laughs) classes. Like, ah, they would go sometimes to my classes because – there wasn't room in other classes. And so they would come to my class. And
0: you should never be doing it to get famous at teaching yoga. That's like- And I
1: wasn't, but I was like, well, I also, you know, I was trying to make, you know, carve my way into, to like be able to quit my regular job and actually just teach. Mm -hmm. But at the end of the day, as I, you know, as I continued to teach and I taught other things too, realistically, it wasn't working out for me. Like I can't even see myself teaching class after class. There's girls who do that and they're amazing or teachers who do that, guys too. (laughs) I guess, yeah, it's more than just girls. Yeah, no, there definitely is a lot of dude teachers out there that are also amazing. I mean, I started with Steve Ross by his show, but that's just not for me. I think that trying to teach, just because I didn't really understand and quite grasp what yoga really was, I wasn't really teaching the correct way not not maybe poses okay but not yoga 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 is so much more than just the damn poses and and i think that that's not not yoga teaching became disappointing to me yoga has mm-hmm. never disappointed me yeah. uh, i love yoga um but teaching became disappointing just because i found myself competing and trying to be like oh my gosh this dude this girl made so much more money than I did, and I put so much more and actually, this person stole all my ideas on her workshop yeah. and and now mine only had like a few people like "What am I doing wrong? What is it what and I would just beat myself up and then and it might sound like a cowardly thing to do to quit, but it was actually really hard for me to quit because I love yoga, and I felt like I had to give it up in order to
0: to take it back i guess <laughs> to
1: tame my ego or not no, tame no I, I don't like, think
0: that's cowardly at all or
1: yeah well it's cowardly to not continue to compete and you know like continue to um try and get a bigger class or more people no, but that's not performing i'm not in the performance business to me teaching exactly. yoga is not a performance exactly and, and that's and that's... if you get a teacher like that i just want to disclaim you don't go to her class anymore like a person like that is not a good teacher it's just not
0: that is the main point is that Teaching anything is not performative. Mm-mm. It's and not
1: your time to to practice at all either.
0: <laughs> yeah, and teaching yoga is one of those things that so it can be very aesthetic, so people can get <sighs> caught up in that, and that's more about what I was saying. With the uniform, is the the, the yoga uniform. pants and and the 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 bra top is <laughs> just another extension to help people stroke their ego in a lot of cases. And it's I'm not saying in every case, just.
1: It's just at the end of the day, you know, I lost sight of what I love the most Mm -hmm. and it became the stupid uniform and the stupid little things that I don't really care about. Like, at the end of the day, I felt kind of like the girl from The Devil Wears Prada. And I don't know. Have you ever watched that movie? You know how she she says and relates it to just like giving her life up for stilettos and stuff Mm -hmm. like that. Well, I felt like I gave yoga up for like leggings and like teaching and like being able to do workshops. And, you know, I, I would focus so much on like, Ooh, what's the music I'm going to use on my workshop? (laughs) And Ooh, what's the, Ooh, what's the little uh, artwork for my social media? And you know, like,
0: (sighs) yeah, well, and there's nothing wrong with those things.
1: Right. But that was, but when that that becomes the focus, focus, that's not yoga. It wasn't, it's, I I watched this guy on YouTube. I'll I'll link his video on the show notes because I thought it was really great. I really liked how he's also like an Indian guru. I don't know his name, but I'll link his video on our show notes so you can like click on it. Um, But I I watched him say that when you teach, like as a person, if you are teaching the wrong yoga, things don't go right in your life. And when I took the decision to quit, I feel like things started going better for me. And now that I choose to teach, like, because I remember after I quit teaching I even tried it again for a little bit, but teaching like another form, which is an aerial yoga form. And I really like teaching that. And I feel like it's a little different and it brings out a, a tender side of me. <laughs> but yoga itself, because it's been so hard for me to teach, it just like teaching yoga made made it so, made me feel so resentful. Um, I forgot what I was saying. What was I saying?
0: <laughs> well, it's easy to get caught up in the whole the details of it that are not related to the core but i think that what you have done is stripped everything away and you do yoga at its core now and when you do teach yoga whether it's yoga nidra which i want to talk about next oh, yeah. uh, or <laughs> other yoga i think that you do it in such a personal way that it resonates with whomever is on the receiving end of it it's not The people who are looking for a performance it's just that it's authentic and it's the type of teaching that yoga should really have
1: yeah and i feel like here's this is what i was gonna say that i forgot is or what i was trying to get to is that at a certain point i felt that the podcast was gonna be the way that i taught yoga and not Mm -hmm. just this one because we i have my other ones the Lonely girl lifestyle and the mindful luna where you can find yogic talks and yoga Nidra's there i'll link him in the show notes but i feel like if you strip the poses out of the teaching maybe you know there's so many teachers teaching poses out there that if i could just talk about yoga and yogic principles and you know why yeah. not
0: yeah i think that that content is more valuable and less covered mm-hmm. so i say go for it and talk more about yoga nidra and how you've dove headfirst into that world.
1: I had this one training on my radar from the Amrit Yoga Institute. I finally had it all set up and I knew I was going to take it and I was going to take this other training. But then it was 2020 and Corona hit. So one of the other trainings that um, I don't even remember what it was, um, but that one got canceled and I never even heard about that one again. Uh, The Yoga Nidra one from the Amrit Yoga Institute. They were going to come here in person to teach it. And so I was really excited about that. I was just super super excited to at least experience it and know what it really was about because I just sat there and listened to people teach or read a script of yoga nidra. I have done that before. I've been in a class where a girl reads yoga nidra and I never experienced anything and I used to blame like myself for not knowing how to meditate or relax because it was really hard and I think that that was mainly the the issue but Yoga Nidra had been in my radar, and my very first teacher, my my teacher from India, actually told me that I, that that was my biggest, um, like I was always gonna be a a relaxation teacher, which I felt like it was also really harsh because he told me, "You're never gonna be a power teacher. You're always gonna be really good at relaxation. Well, Yoga Nidra is your thing." And then ati. that's okay. Yeah, um, but I I went the other way. I kind of wanted to prove that I could totally do the other. <laughs> But Yoga Nidra is still in my radar and I knew I was gonna still look for it. He told told us to just look for a script and read it. But it and he told us that it was like sleep based, but it wasn't that much. But once I got into the Amrit Yoga Institute and once twenty twenty hit quarantine style, <laughs> all of their entire training went online. So in twenty twenty I took Their immersion, their uh, practitioner training, their advanced practitioner training. And then in 2021, I took their yoga nidra kit. So I've done all all of the yoga nidra they can offer. And then after that, since I did the yoga nidra in 2020 in January 2021, I continue to do yoga nidra every day for then until now. And I've taken coaching with my teacher, Renu. And it's with me. Like, I don't know how to explain it anymore. It's just with me. Like, I can't speak without speaking about with it it comes through me it's kind of like when you just like stand around and hum it's <laughs> the music's with you i just feel like that's how i feel like i am with yoga now
0: yeah and you can just tap into it and relay it and i think that there's no one better to provide yoga nidra for anybody so thank you baby you should if you are a listener of this podcast you should go to the mindful luna And check that out right after this episode.
1: Yes, there's a new episode there with a meditation to help you let go. But basically, Yoga Nidra is just a sleep-based meditation that helps you kind of relax and heal the body by allowing you to go to like a subconscious level that kind of allows you to release the healing powers of the body. It's really cool. There's a lot to learn from it. I can link some information below. But what about you? What other secrets and...
0: Well, I'd like to talk about how I enjoy music now because mm-hmm. as you know, music is a huge part of my life and just it's what I want to be doing most times of the days, making music or thinking about music or talking about music or purchasing musical instruments, you name yeah. it. So instead of singing opera on a stage which requires an orchestra, a costume department, a conductor, a an audience. <laughs> all of these things are expensive. And uh, instead of doing that, I now have all of the means of making as much noise in the basement <laughs> as I possibly could ever want. So yes. around 2014 or 15 maybe, I kind of got the bug to play my dad's guitar cuz my dad, like I said, was a bluegrass musician. He passed away in 2009 and both my brother and I received one of his acoustic guitars. And I picked I picked it up and I was like, this is really hard to play and <laughs> I want and it's not very loud. So I was like, <laughs> loud. you know what? I'm a friggin' adult. I'm going to buy an electric guitar. So <laughs> I decided that the electric guitar was where I was going to focus my musical efforts. I purchased a Gibson SG, which was the... Gib- How?
1: Where? like uh, I think...
0: I want to say like eBay. <laughs> Maybe it was Reverb early on.
1: But I want to picture you going to...
0: No, music, it was uh, online. It
1: guitar. was guitar? it called? Guitar Center.
0: <laughs> I did not <laughs> buy it in person. I bought it online. Dang it. And it was a great guitar. I bought a Fender amp, just a Fender Champion amp. And rocked with that for a long time and was terrible at guitar and was it was cool because i was learning music from scratch as kind of like a beginner even though i did have a basis of musical theory harmony rhythm (laughs) and all the other elements of music i had an understanding of that it made learning the guitar a lot easier but i was just learning a new instrument and i uh, believe it or not i did not learn how to play guitar growing up I played a little bit of bass, but overall I focused on the voice. So switching over to electric guitar was a huge sea change for me and an undertaking, and I still consider myself a student of the guitar, and I've since taken on the electric bass as well, and then I have purchased a drum set on top of that. So I have all of the makings of a band. I have my keyboard <laughs> from when I was a kid here.
1: And his voice,
0: an undisclosed number of guitars and basses, (laughs) and a vocal PA here. So we we really have a good time with my friends and I, and Gabby and I record music here every now and again. We have all kinds of different tracks that we're interested in
1: working into um, blending our loves together, music and you know yoga and meditation.
0: We did that early on, actually. Yeah, we had a a workshop that we did for New Year's where I played the keyboard and provided. Ambient music to Gabby's yoga. Those
1: felt really good, actually. They didn't feel like we were performing at all.
0: No, it didn't feel like it was a performance. It was was an experience. And that's more of the music that I'm into now is creating experiences. And yes, I do spend a lot of time recording sound just because, why not? I got all these instruments here. I've got a lot of recording equipment from my parents because they were professional musicians. So why the hell not? Yeah. uh,
1: Sometimes he's uh, down here and it sounds like there's at least three people down here. (laughs) (laughs) Just him.
0: Yeah. try to do the one man band thing. Yeah.
1: It's pretty amazing.
0: So that's how I enjoy music now is mostly through not performing, but playing in the context of a band. Mm -hmm. And I've got a few friends who come over and play. And I actually have some other friends who have their own spaces that I can bring a guitar to and plug into. So get plenty of opportunities to play but to still
1: enjoy your love.
0: <laughs> yeah, it's it's much more personal now because I'm not singing for affection or for money or whatever. It's just like all right, I want to make some music. I've got some cool sounds in my head and my hands. Let's see if we can make something out of it.
1: Yeah, I think I think that what happened to both of us is that we thought that the only way to take our loves or our, you know, passions was to perform because i feel like that society is just like oh (laughs) dance for me monkey dance for me and there you are like an idiot trying to like you know create a a name for yourself or a career and it's like wait actually this is not even what i like to do anymore (laughs)
2: like
1: this teaching yoga to people who don't want to hold a pose you know it's just not for me Mm -hmm. i'm okay if you don't want to hold a pose that's on you Try it if you dislike it. (laughs) It feels really good and it's very challenging and it trains the nervous system. (laughs) Yeah. But when we lost sight of it is when we started putting more emphasis on the performance of it all and on the career path. Yeah. But that doesn't necessarily mean that that's not our path. It was just, you know, like a tree, there's many branches and we just had to find a branch.
0: Honestly, 10 years ago when I was having my crisis or whatever, Uh uh-huh youtube or twitch and all of these other streaming platforms were fledgling or didn't exist so the notion of being a content creator on your own salt was it was not something that i could just transition to but the fact that here we are 10 years later yeah we can have our own podcast and an audience and we can have a youtube channel and all of these other things and i guess it's it's due to timing as well
1: i think that it's just the perfect time to share our loves <laughs> with people, especially in the same particular format. Because I podcasting is like another love of mine. <laughs>
0: well, and it's become one of mine as well. I love yeah. the recording aspect of sitting down and saying something that means something to someone.
1: Well, I'm glad to hear that. Because I, I know that when we first met. I want to wrap up um, with a question to each other. Okay. When we each told each other what our love was, what was the first impression? Like, I'll tell you what my first impression was of your music and then of you being, I don't know. Like, what are you more curious to hear? Like, my first impression of you being an opera singer or my first impression of you just being musical?
0: Well, I don't consider myself an opera singer anymore. I'm just general musician is how I identify.
1: Before you told me anything about the opera and because I have, I've always just been a girl that, i don't know i don't like the whole dance for me monkey situation (laughs) and those opportunities were never they never came easy to me I, i was just never in that position even if i wanted them you know um because i had already had a taste of your personality i didn't really feel like that was you like when you sent me the opera singer video i thought wow this guy has probably done a lot of growth because he doesn't seem like he would be into performing that much, like. <laughs> and then I also was so impressed about the comfort in the video. I, I'm gonna link his video down below, so you guys. <laughs> um, just like how comfortable you were singing another fucking language, <laughs> and you were making you're making all these hand movements, and I see that still to this day you're talking whatever. You're so comfortable and so confident, and I, I don't know. I guess it was like. Wow, this guy's super confident, but also this doesn't suit who he tells me he is and who he has, you know, showed up as. That this doesn't, the opera, not that I think that opera singers are bad (laughs) or anything, but it just didn't suit who the man that you were now that you are. Yeah. It just doesn't.
0: I'm I'm a completely different person. Like, I, it sounds cheesy and easy to say, but I have gone through several (laughs) transformations even since then, just life and you know if you can continue to maintain a relationship to one of your first loves then it's worth doing and if you don't then that's fine too hopefully you find a new love and it doesn't have to be your first love but yeah music has always dragged me back well that's the (laughs) thing
1: it's just that opera was one little branch of it it's like you still have the whole you know concept and lifestyle of music in you (laughs) like it's it's with you like you can't and then when when i saw the like when he told me he played guitar i mean there's guys that play guitar (laughs) and then somehow you know in the past i feel like i've dated a few and yeah you know guys can play guitar but then when i saw what you were doing it's like oh wait no he's a musician that's different And I could only like think of musicians as like the musical guys I love, which is like Hosier and Alejandro Sanz. Like that's (laughs) like, to me, you're kind of like them. You create music. You're not just playing the guitar. That's, that was my, all of that was my impression (laughs) of you, all of that.
2: (laughs) (laughs) Well,
0: um, my impression of you was definitely one of someone who had studied yoga and took it very seriously. And I have known other people in my life who treat yoga like a workout and you know that's fine go ahead and treat it like you want but it doesn't make you as passionate about it if that's your surface level of involvement and I could tell immediately that you were well beyond any surface level and it was something that was very important to you and I have not done very much yoga in my life I've kind of been more forced to do yoga prior (laughs) not not by me no prior to (laughs) to meeting you so i had kind of a bad attitude of it but i always understood that the reason i didn't like yoga was because of all the things that you mentioned that turned you off of of about it the performative aspects of it where it's much more of what clothes you're wearing to the (sighs) studio versus what kind of benefit that you actually receive from it. And I've never, never been interested in the kind of transaction that it requires for people to notice a performance of you as a teacher. So I really appreciate that you have the same feelings and you do it the way that you do it. And it's, it's not a cookie cutter version of it. It's completely you and people understand that. And I think they value that as well.
1: Yeah. In fact, it's changed completely since I met you because all of my yoga nidra trainings have been with you. (laughs) So up to when I met him, I was teaching. Was I teaching? I think I, I, no, I wasn't. I had a couple classes, I think. I think I was working for, um, yes, I was just, okay. So I was subbing and I was working at the little shop Mm -hmm. and I would, you every here and there but I didn't have a schedule I just had like every now and again something would show up and just which felt right because I felt like if it was something that randomly came up such as subbing well then maybe even if it's just one person that shows up to my class then it can really teach him uh, like at least a relaxation especially when it's like an office setting and people are going, they're taking time out of their busy day to go to a class like that, mm-hmm. then you know that they're in it more for like the benefits of it, whatever benefits they might think they're getting. But that's something. But those are our loves. First
0: loves and, and still current loves. Current <laughs>
1: loves. I mean, and, and we both have learned to love each other's loves and yeah. embrace them quite a bit.
0: That is true. And in fact, you had to sit through a, very loud jam session earlier this morning, I'm sure. Oh, it's not Maybe, really
1: all that loud upstairs. Well, that's
0: good. Maybe we should link a little section of it. Yeah. At the end. Okay. A little, Just to give yeah. people a taste of what I'm up to these days. A little days.
1: jammy, jammy. Yes.
0: Featuring Nathan Schweitz. Yeah.
1: This one for sure was a pajama jam. You guys jam so damn early. <laughs> 8 a.m. on a Sunday morning. I don't know about that. <laughs> that's my preference. You know, it was no. It is a good time. It doesn't necessarily bug me in any way when you guys are. It's this is a very real problem for a girl. It's like when it's that early, do I really want to get up and have to put a bra on <laughs> because someone's coming just, in this early? Just hide in the room. You'll, you'll I think fine. that's what I'm gonna have to do. I'm like, you'll damn it! <laughs> it's eight a.m. <laughs> that's all we have for you. Happy love month. month. <laughs> we'll have we have how we met. We have this episode and many others that we'll come up with hopefully and tune in
0: yes we appreciate you taking the time out of your busy schedule to listen to us talk about the things we love Mm -hmm. hopefully they inspire you to start a conversation in your life or even with us we'd love to hear from you send us a comment and if you have any questions or comments we'll address it on one of the future episodes You can find us on our social media, which is linked below. That includes Instagram, YouTube, Facebook, you yeah. name it.
1: Check out the show notes. They have good information, good good links. <laughs> good Check links. them out. <laughs> That's
0: right. So thank you for tuning in. We hope to see you on the next one. Bye. Bye.